Hey guys, I'm Danielle. And I'm Joe. Welcome to If, if Walls, Walls Could Talk. Talk. We're the owners of Style & Structure. We build and renovate custom homes. We're going to talk about everything from purchasing a lot to building your dream home. There's a lot that goes on behind the build. And we are gonna talk about all of it with guest speakers, experts in the field, designers, and real homeowners. And oh man, if walls could talk. Thanks for joining us with another episode of If Walls Could Talk. I'm Danielle. And I'm Joe. Some of the questions we get from our listeners and just uh, homeowners in general are, what are the details that we put into a house? The things that really make it interesting. Uh, and here at Style & Structure, we really love to go into special wall details and, and just things that you don't see in every home, but really make it feel special. Um, so today we have a special guest, Dave from Tanglewood Carpentry. He's our expert in trim carpentry. Hello. Welcome, Dave. Welcome, Dave. We're excited to have you. So Dave is the guy who is behind the scenes that really make a lot of our rooms special, whether it's these built-in shelves we're always asking him to do or crazy wall details. So Dave, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got started with Tanglewood Carpentry? Well, I graduated high school. I was going to go to art school, um, but uh, they decided uh, that I needed a well-rounded education to be an artist. And uh, I struggled with English in high school, so that wasn't for me. Explain the, the art world. What, what kind of art? Painting? Dave, that surprises yeah. me. I love uh, it. I, yeah, I was an art geek in high school. I painted, drew. I had independent art classes from the time I was a sophomore in high school, so I pretty much got to do whatever I wanted. And it's, yeah, it was my passion. But I was not a good student. A well-rounded education was not what I was looking for. So my, my stepdad found me a job working with a small concrete company where I was a laborer. I carried blocks, set up scaffolding, poured concrete. And the carpenters looked like they were having a lot more fun than I was. <laughs> so uh went that avenue did you go to a trade school or you just learned on the job site oh i just learned on the job site oh, um, nice. so so at some point you decided to you know you work for a company obviously you learn the the tricks of the trade and you decided to go off on your own at some point how did that happen i i don't fit into the the corporate model per se you know, i'm a, mm -hmm. i'm loud a lot of tattoos i don't hold my tongue very well Did so you get in trouble a little bit dave a little bit a little bit <laughs> I, I yes yes the company i worked at at the time was very was an older company very straight laced and the carpenters that fit into the mold were getting advanced and i wasn't but yet they were all still calling me and asking me how to do things which is very frustrating so I, I started my company name and then was getting it set up and that's when the market tanked and out in North Dakota I was building hotels. <laughs> the 2008 crash? Yes, I was I was one of the first layoffs at my company. Okay. I was kind of a luxury foreman. I did all the screen porch finishes, the decks, um, and then filled in for other foremen when they were on vacation. So I was I was a luxury and the one that really wasn't needed at the time because they had well-established foremen that they weren't going to let go. So I want to dig in just a little bit on your company name. So when Danielle and I started Style & Structure, I know that was like one of the hardest things to come up with the name of a company, it, it sounds real easy when it fits, but I mean, how many different versions of a company name did we start with? A million. Yeah. yeah that was a really hard one. It was. So it how did you come up with, with you. it does, yeah. Well, um, 
I wanted it to be unique and not run of the mill. Besides Tangwood, I had one other one that, that I, I liked, and that was uh, Twisted Root, that uh, a lot of people thought that would infer not such good work. I think you picked the right one. Yeah, thank you. Something with incorporating the artistry that I like, you know, kept me involved in, in carpentry is what I wanted to use in the name. It's real interesting that you you talked about artistry and that's what your passion is. I never knew that about you. I've known you for, gosh, how long? 25 or more years. <laughs> oh, yeah, 20, 24, because um, it was... I started at the company we both worked at in 99, um, the fall after I got married. So we just had a okay. 24th wedding anniversary. So Jeez, yeah, it guys. All, <laughs> it all it's really makes time. sense now, Dave, because the stuff that you do on the job site is really art. I mean, there's there's no other way to say it. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what I push for. I mean, art, everything is unique, inspired by different things. And the more you can pull your passion into what you're doing, the more pride you're going to take and passion you're going to have doing it so it's Mm -hmm. never going to be a job it's something you enjoy to do yeah well and i think that makes a lot of sense because often when we talk to you about a wall detail or some built-in that we want to do we have somewhat of an idea but we really do brainstorm with you to come up with a good solution to make sure it looks good and what works in that space so um, some of my favorite things that we've done together well the office you helped us a lot with the office. We have floating shelves everywhere that look beautiful and these like thick white oak shelves. So love that. We have some built-in desk details. And um, really, is there anything you can't do when it comes to wood? Well, if I don't know how to do it, I, I learn how to do it very quickly. It's interesting because usually we'll be talking about something and it always turns out better than what I've asked you to do. I'm like, wow, this looks great. That's what I love too is... You know, Danielle, you're talking about all these ideas and, you know, we might not even know quite what it's going to look like, but we certainly don't know how to do it. So we rely on somebody like Dave to, you're going to put this all together for us and it's going to look awesome. We know that from the beginning, just how we get there is a little unclear sometimes. It's hard because our designers really try to do a lot of unique stuff that you haven't seen before which makes it challenging because then you know there's no pinterest photo to show you and say so we kind of pull together like five pinterest photos well i want a little bit of this a little bit of that and we try to create something unique but it always turns out so great you're pulling a picture out of somebody's brain instead of a magazine right yeah and then i think my um hand sketches don't do much for you because i am not an artist (laughs) um Reading other people's interpretations is, is is part of the job, you know, trying to bring somebody else's ideas to, to fruition is a challenge, but it, it's, it's a fun challenge. Yeah. So I think like that is something that we love to do on jobs is put in all these built-ins, these wall details, but unfortunately, you know, we're working with certain budgets and sometimes those are things that have to get pulled, but if you were to recommend any like feature or favorite feature that you've done, if someone's on a budget and they only can do one or two things, what would be something that you love to do in homes? That's a toughie. I, I'm a bells and whistles guy. Raised panel walls are one that I really enjoy. I enjoy, uh, which I don't get to do a lot, using cheaper material with an antiquing finish to mitigate the material costs, turning new fresh pine boards into barn boards, painted barn boards, using, you know, different stain techniques on on poplar because it's one of the, well, was one of the cheaper materials just to mitigate 
um, the cost versus, say, a cherry or a, a white oak, which are quite expensive and hard to find. So you dabble into the actual coloring of the wood as well, the finishing of it? More unique finishes. I, the standard stain and paint is it's not what drives me. I like to, you know, going back to the art that you know art background i like to re- recreate old things um you know make it look like antique barn boards without having to worry about lead-based paint and special finishes to keep that intact so you don't have to not use it because if it's you know obviously if it's got lead paint it's it's a big no-no or using um a darker stain on a poplar board to give a walnut look where you're not having to buy a walnut board but i do think that's such a good thing you know if someone is on that budget trying to do you know built-ins can be very expensive the wall details are going to be a less expensive option that really give a lot of character to the room and then playing around with different stain details or you know an accent paint color I mean that can give such a elevated look to the room Um, and we did that actually it was one of our first models and we had specked out built-ins everywhere and it was going to look amazing (laughs) but we did have to have some budget cuts and um we did that we we pulled a lot of built-ins out we did some wall details and it was one of the top things that people talked about in our model home so you know people feel like they're they're cutting out or compromising but sometimes it can turn out better than even expected when we have to get creative so you're talking about the cost of wood and we all know in the last few years that's really been a roller coaster um, from highs to not so much lows, but uh, stabilizing at least. Yeah, Dave, what's going on with the wood? <laughs> <laughs> well, from just being out in the field, from what I heard through suppliers and delivery was um, with COVID, the supply, our supply chain comes from Canada. And the Canadian truck drivers, if they crossed the border, whether they had contact with anybody or not, they would have to quarantine for two weeks so they wouldn't they wouldn't let them cross the border just to mitigate the two-week quarantine so I mean I understand I think everybody understood during COVID like there was just a lot of delays and travel issues and factories shutting down and now that everything seems to be back to normal it seems like pricing hasn't gotten much better like we're still cedar for example is still so crazy high so well Canada's on fire this year yeah we get questioned all the time on is lumber coming down, is is wood details coming down. Um, the answer that we have for homeowners right now is at least we know it's stabilized, but we have not seen it really come down, even though trucking seems to be back to normal. Well, again, I you know with COVID, a lot of people realized that they didn't have to work as much to live the way they wanted to. They don't have to work as hard to make a living. We're finding workers and in to get the materials made and shipped is harder. And again, I mean, once that high price is established and companies know that they can make that much, it's hard to bring it back down to limit their profits. You know, unfortunately, it's human nature. The, the more you, you make, the harder it is to let that profit go. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, you know, two really good points. The one I do want to touch on is the labor industry. I think we are having such a huge issue right now in the building industry across every single trade and building company trying to find people. And it seems to be just continuously going down. So you see a lot of trades and builders getting involved and really passionate about trying to 
educate kids more about opportunities because there's a lot of money to be made in the trade industry and in the building industry. And, you know, kids have been told all their lives, you know, four-year college is your only option and you have to be, you know, a doctor or a lawyer, you know, these certain specific jobs. And there's just thousands and thousands of job options out there that they really need to know about. And yeah, and I just want to repeat that too, that they're high paying jobs. I would say that, you know, the average you know, wages of somebody coming out of college is probably less than somebody that had started in the trades almost right after high school or through a trade school. In some cases, half. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing. But for some reason, we still have this idea that it's more prestigious to go through a four-year college, rack up all the debt, and then go out into the work world. Yeah, sitting in an office versus being out in the field and using your hands. And I think what a lot of people find is once they do have experience in the field and find the right thing. So for you, Dave, maybe concrete wasn't the right fit, but there's a lot of options out there for you to try. And you did find carpentry and found that it was the right fit. So Dave, you have a son that is just graduated high school. What recently, right? Yeah. I, yeah. He graduated two years ago. Okay. And I know he's getting into the trades, right? Yes. How yes. did that decision make get made or? Well, He's he's got ADD. Um, he's he's very hyper. Um, unfortunately for for everybody around us, he he's my son. Um, he <laughs> as well is loud, tattooed, and doesn't fit into the the mold. You know, I carpentry is not what I wanted for him. Um, having gone through the downturn and struggling financially after that, and and knowing that a cycle it's going to happen again. You know, it's not what I wanted him to do. But he likes it. He works hard for his company. He doesn't work hard at home, but he, he does for his company. He makes twice as much as I did when I started. I mean, literally he's making as much as a 19 year old as I did when he was born. Yeah, I think that's been really interesting in the labor industry because we're having such a hard time finding employees. The cost to hire them on and people getting paid is a lot more. And that's another piece of cost. It's like, you know, people ask us all the time, pricing is going to be going down. We know it's going down next year. And I'm like, how, how do you see it going down? Because for employees getting paid more, they're not going to accept lower pay at this mm -hmm. point either. So we've got a labor industry that's way more expensive and it all ties into the overall product and what homeowners are eventually paying for for their home. For me, I mean, with blue collar work, it's more of a, a pay me for my experience rather than my time and you know unfortunately for the market the people that are still doing it have been doing it for 20 years so there's so much experience out there and that's what you're actually paying for rather than their time mm -hmm. and if we had more uh, younger people getting into the the workforce i mean it would lower the cost because then then you don't have guys with 20 plus years experience doing entry-level work that right. still needs to be done I think that's really what's missing when you talk about the 08 housing crash. There was a lot of younger people in the industry at that time that, that left. They went to something else completely. So I feel like we almost lost an entire generation of tradesmen. And we're going to feel that impact, you know, when uh, start retiring because the people that were into the trades at that time are 10, 15 years away from retirement. And then we have a big gap. So it's going to be an issue moving forward if we don't really buckle down and, and convince young people how great these trades are. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I think, you know, just kind of going back to your passions, 
kids need to understand that like if you're into art or you know math and engineering there's aspects of all of those things when it comes to you know working on a job site so a lot of people think oh gosh if I'm into math I have to go into something that's more of a desk math job or maybe a teacher and it's like no there's a lot of stuff that you can do in the building industry and use it and see you know an entire house be built off of what you've put together so it's pretty it's pretty interesting I think it just needs to be educated more but we do see a lot of second and third generation kids getting into it because they do see how much their parents make and you know especially if you own your own business a little bit of flexibility for family time and yeah I think it's something really important that kids need to know and I really want to point out too that you know you had said you weren't the best student in high school or whatever um, but really differentiate a good student versus somebody that is able to learn but differently right um, in high school you know it's more of a testing format and, and more structured but it's different out in the real world right you learn a little bit different you um, my own experience with high school is I wasn't the best at geometry I just kind of struggled with that in high school and it was tough but I got onto the job site and I was a framer and everything just clicked from roof pitches and putting all this together. I was learning it, but I didn't test as well as I should have. So there's a big difference. Yeah, and when you're learning from a textbook versus hands-on practical applications, it makes a big difference. Especially, you know, with the younger kids, everything is a button away. I mean, as great as technology is, it doesn't help a kid learn uh, patience or well, work ethic because everything is just a click away. Mm-hmm. What it does help you do is, um, like my husband and I had some home projects and we YouTube just about everything. It wasn't perfect, but it was helpful. Again, um, you know, if I don't know how to do something, I learn. Yeah. I mean, that is, it's a great tool for learning how to do something or advancing techniques of, of doing older style things. For sure. So I have to ask you, Dave, you've been in this industry for a while. You've done some fantastic projects. Do you have one in your mind that sticks out is that is the one I'm the most proud of? My first house, oh, an 1889 Victorian era style house. Um, and I got to put on two round porch additions and some intricate cove ceiling details. That for me, you know, with the personal attachment to the house is one of my favorites. I try not to treat any job different, whether it's just a simple bathroom versus an elaborate wall detail like I get to do with you guys. Because, I mean, every job is, is special to the homeowner. I mean, it's it's important to them, and I'd like to treat each one the same. That's such a good point. It's hard to differentiate these big, like, multi-million dollar homes and then a tiny little powder bath reno. But we just did finish a powder bath rental for a homeowner and she was all teary-eyed and excited it's a project she wanted to do for so long and yeah putting kind of that that detailed effort into each and every project is so important and I think for Joe and I that's important and we really make sure to bring on trade partners that feel the same way I will have to say though my favorite project you did for style and structure was probably our first model home and the barnwood beam detail oh Dave those beams, <laughs> people are still talking about them. I don't know how you did that because I actually thought the 
beam company would send out kind of a finished design beam and that you were just hanging it. Oh no, they actually just sent out full on big straight beams and you had to like cut and design it again off a partial inspiration. We did not give you the full picture. Well, you know, again, you know, experience and having really fun tools makes the job easier. Get to use a circular saw with a 16 inch blade, it, you know, makes cutting the beams a lot easier and a lot faster. Yeah. So that particular one we had, it was a peak vault and then we had beams going in multiple directions and then it was tied in with these awesome like metal details. So we do have pictures of it on our website and that one is just, yeah. And you also did one, it was interesting. So that was solid wood beams. And then our last model, it was, it looked just the same in a sense. There weren't many details um, as far as like metal details, but you made it look phenomenal. But it was a, what was that? It's like a hollow core. There were box beams. Box yeah. beam. Yes. Yeah. Um. Again, that, I, I think we got those from Monoman. Yes. We did. They do a very good job of sourcing the barn boards with full timbers, I mean, that were used in barns. I mean, that's they're not making anymore. They're a lot harder to find. So if we can use the full beams that look real, probably going to be the trend. Plus, they're a lot lighter and a little easier <laughs> a to little work easier, with. Yeah, a little yeah. easier. Did you have help with the big solid beams getting those up on the ceiling or... Um, for a day, I, I had some help on that one, but having done multiple beam installs, you learn tricks and you buy equipment that will take the place of two workers. You, for instance, I have a lift that will lift a beam 24 feet up in the air that I can just stand on the ground and then go up and attach it to the ceiling. Okay. That makes sense. I'm always wondering how you are doing some of these jobs solo. I'm like, I could not hold a long shelf up while you're also screwing in the wall, but okay. We got the tools. Strong back, weak mind. <laughs> so we always like to ask this question because we just like to get into some juicy details, but what was one of your most difficult jobs or clients and how do you overcome those challenges? Um, yes, please throw someone under the bus. No, no, <laughs> no names. Um, <laughs> when you're dealing with a, a difficult homeowner, I find it's they come in with you know a million dollar vision with hundred thousand dollar budget and mm, limiting, yeah, limiting you know being able to manage expectations, um, inspirations to reality. It's, it's hard on on everybody from designers to the general contractors, to the installers on the job. Unfortunately, you know, with YouTube and, and Pinterest, all the ideas that, which are great, you know, it gives everybody unrealistic expectations. Yeah, that's so true. I think a lot of our trades talk about Pinterest and how it excites people because they want this design and they really don't understand. And a lot of times they've seen it on TV down in Texas, which for whatever reason that I cannot wrap my head around, the pricing is way different down there. And yeah, it just, so they said, I saw this on HGTV and it was only $10,000. So Dave, when you're trying to manage, you know, the expectation versus the budget, you know, we all know that different wood species can, you know, the cost can really vary a lot. So what if somebody had something, you know, hey, we want this black walnut, but how do you like say, hey, we can use this wood and it's going to save you X amount, but I can make it look close to what you're, what you're after. 
you know, being mainly the installer, it's a lot easier because that nudge has been made a few steps prior to when I'm working. You know, and then unfortunately, I, I mean, I'm really good at spending other people's money. Me too. Um, you know, trying to get somebody to say go from black walnut to a, a cheaper, not cheaper, but a less expensive material. It's hard for me too because I want to work with a black walnut because um, it's expensive and. You don't get to use it very often. A lot of a lot of samples of finishes on less expensive wood. Finding my own sources of inspiration pictures of similar styles with less expensive material is what I go to. Yeah, we did that in one of our models because we had these beautiful white oak kitchen cabinets. And then there was a lot of different wood variation throughout the house. So like we had these floating shelves that we did in, was that pine or poplar? I believe those are poplar. Yeah. And so, but again, we wanted that white oak look throughout. So it is very hard. People don't understand staining different woods to look alike. And they're never going to match 100%, but trying to get them all in that same family of warmth and tone. um, Gosh, we did a lot of work. I thought the hardest one was the Naughty Elder. Yes. That sucked. And, you know, there again, having trades that really, you know, have a passion for it. So I think that one we had three different species of wood, three different stain colors to make the stain look the same. Yes. It was incredible. Well, I never knew how much red Naughty Elder pulled out because I think previously any experience I had with it was a darker stain, which you can pretty much, with dark stains, it makes it a lot easier. Lighter stain, all of a sudden they stained it. We're trying to match this white oak and it came up like bright red. It was horrible I was like so we had to spend a lot of time with the painters trying to fix that add some gray into the stain mix Um, and you know it never got quite that color we kind of decided to try to do a different tone and not try to match the white oak with that one because that was too challenging oh yeah and then the difference you know in white oak and poplar i mean the way the stain absorbs into the wood white oak's got a very open grain pattern which everybody loves to see in poplar it doesn't the grains are tighter they're more sporadic because it's a faster growing wood well and something i just learned this week because we had a kitchen that had a stain job and it turned out horrible. So we're working with the company to figure out what the heck's going on because they had this kitchen hood mantle that turned out perfect. And it was oak and it was, it turned out to the, you know, we have this white oak stain that we love to use here at Style and Structure. But then their cabinets had a different cut. What's the cut called, Joe? A quarter sawn. Yes. And for whatever reason, that particular way of cutting wood, so it wasn't just the wood species, it was how it was cut, took stain different, and then all of a sudden it had like these dark stripes everywhere. And I was like, what? I mean, you just, you learn something new all the time. And so yeah. I, it's not just the wood species, it's how we cut it. And From quarter sawn to rift cut to, you know, standard yeah. cut. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, rift cut and quarter sawn are very similar yeah but the standard cut you get the really wavy grains that everybody likes with corson and i speaking i know the job that we were you were just talking about the hickory stripes as she liked to call it yeah it was shocking because i hadn't seen that before and you know our cabinet company is trying to say well this is within you know our stain tolerance because of how it was cut and i'm like we've never seen it so we're we're Definitely getting everything fixed up so it turns out how the homeowner wants, but 
moving forward, it's like, gosh, now we know when, the, when we're selecting stuff for designs, okay, here's another thing we have to set expectations for. And it's why our packets of details and expectations and the spec level grow. Every time we give our homeowner a packet of their included features, they're like, my gosh, am I signing my life away? And we're like, no, there's that this much detail that goes into a home. Well, and just as trends are changing and we're trying new products and new ways to put products together, you know, we're learning too. Uh, this is this is an industry that we will learn our entire career. For sure. Yeah, that's and again, that's what makes it fun. Um, if you're if you don't learn something new every day, you might as well just stay home. Yeah. So as far as the wood species, what is your favorite to work with when you're talking about like these? built-ins and wall details or mudroom benches poplar is the easiest and most versatile because you know i mean it takes paint great it'll match a lot of wood species with, with darker stain but i mean white oak right now is my favorite it's you know just such a warm and authentic looking wood it's what i go to now good because that's my favorite <laughs> so <laughs> we're on the same page do you have any like favorite trends that you're seeing right now since you have been in this industry a long time i'm sure you know some things are timeless but some things are some kind of fun newer trends that are going on uh i like people are putting in wine rooms that's kind of a newer trend that creates a lot of fun work for me barn doors barn door hardware not necessarily the barn doors themselves but the use of barn door hardware i really like it creates a lot of space in rooms where you don't have to have doors opening in or out of them, and you don't have to try to have the wall space for a pocket door to slide in. Yeah. That wine cellar that you just finished up. I was at? just going to mention that. Oh, my god! How many bottles did that hold, the wine room? It looked incredible. Uh, I never did a final count because, unfortunately, I, I don't drink wine. Um, <laughs> my wife drinks a Moscato, but that's more of a pick-it-up-on-the-way-home kind of thing. We don't have any storage. Um, my guess is it's over 500 bottles these wine rooms are not just like shelves that you can stack wine in it's so elaborate how you've designed them there's countertop space i mean they're rooms that i feel like you could hang out in yeah so yeah. we actually don't even have this wine room up yet it's still getting finished it's not on our website so that will be coming soon but it is spectacular and we're putting together um we have these doors that are going on it that have, you know, just that black iron and glass. It's just perfect. Yeah, the details of this room are incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah. This is a fun one. So Dave, you know, you do a lot of different things. You do beams, you do, you've done custom doors for us, um, you know, built-ins, cabinets. What other services do you offer? Are there anything that is kind of off limits? Like, I don't want to do that. It's not my specialty. I try to stay away from decks now. I'm, I'm older. <laughs> decks for me, unfortunately, usually end up at the worst times of the year. It's either 10 below and snowing when, when the deck has to be finished or it's 110 degrees out and there's no shade. And I'm, I'm kind of a baby. I'm not <laughs> as element hardy as I used to be in my younger days. Generally on the job, it's just me. So when I can do the work by myself and not have to worry about employees being there or showing up it makes it easier and less stressful for me on the job site 
Mm-hmm. Now you work with both homeowners and builders. So is there a preference there? 90% of my work is through contractors. I generally prefer that just because, well, the majority of the prep work is done. I don't, I'm not having to walk homeowners through, through selections or managing expectations. I'm not having to design the product on the job. That work's been done. It makes it less stressful for me and it makes it more enjoyable because not being a good student, actual business aspect of running a small business is not my forte. I'm not good at billing or paperwork. So the, the less of that stuff I have to do, the better. Yeah, you want to just show up and do your art. No <laughs> one can blame you for that. <laughs> so Dave, now that your son is in the business like or in the same industry as you are, uh, he's going through the ropes of uh, you know where he's at. Do you ever see a, a father-son combo deal? Well, I also have a daughter who is a sophomore in high school. She is growing a passion for design and talks about interning here is one that she mentions. Got to give me um, her number. And, you know, ultimately, if I could start something with my kids, you know, obviously my daughter would have to be the boss because that's the <laughs> is way. Is she the that, organized one? Well, she's she's the bossy one. <laughs> Um, and again, you know, as men, we're used to being told what to do by our moms or our wives. Um, or, or business partners. Yes, uh-huh. It's yeah, just, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. we're used Don't to listening. Don't worry, listen. we're here for you guys. <laughs> we're used to listening to a woman's voice tell us what to do. So, you know, ultimately, I mean, the goal would be to, you know, she designs and does all the client work. And my son and myself could be doing the projects. I mean, it would, that, that would be the ultimate goal. This sounds like a TV show, Dave. I'm loving this. I'm loving this already. I have it pictured for you. It's going to be awesome. Tanglewood, family Tanglewood. <laughs> There'd be a lot of tattoos and a lot of bleeps on that show. <laughs> now, for those who don't know, Dave's sitting here with a large handlebar mustache. He's got the tats. You've got the overall look as it, for the carpenter. What's this called in your ear? Uh, it, it's like it's the an, indu- an industrial piercing. Yeah. Ouch, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Ouch. Yep. Uh, well, it. we would love to talk to your daughter about coming here because that sounds fun. And we love working with you. So we know she's got to be great. Yeah. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, we really do appreciate you coming in and talking through all of this. I think, you know, when we go through designs with customers this is some of their favorite stuff to get into and really you know bring their home alive and have great storage space but also really great designs so we appreciate you talking us through all the steps i appreciate you having me here yeah thanks again dave just getting your insight and you know learning something about you that you're you know the artist background and stuff uh, that's why we do these podcasts we just love it so thanks for coming in thank you Yeah, so again, if anybody wants to see Dave's work, we have it all over our website at style-structure.com, or you can go to Instagram and see us on there with a bunch of our projects. So thanks again for tuning in. I'm Danielle. And I'm Joe. And that's another episode of If If Walls Walls Could Could Talk. Talk.